Spencer, it's getting cold outside. It's fall. Pretty soon, we're not going to be able to ride outdoors. We're going to be inside racing around on Zwift. And you know what? I'm kind of excited this year because our good friends at Cyclops have their new Magnus and Hammer Smart trainers, which plug in right to Zwift and make indoor training kind of fun. Fred, this is great. I'll tell you, long gone are the days when I was in my parents' basement listening to like NPR or something on the rollers for three or four hours, sweating, sweating myself into a oblivion. This, well, is, this is a big improvement. Well, that's what you used to do. I used to go to like uh, spin class and be there next to, you know, a bunch of like soccer moms and just get oh, I bet you like that. I bet you like that. Back into the saddle. Out of the saddle. Oh, well, we don't have to do that anymore. Thanks to our good friends at Cyclops. And our good friends at Cyclops are the presenting sponsor of this week's episode of the Vela News podcast. So check them out and check out the new Magnus and Hammer Smart Trainers, which plug directly into Zwift. Okay, on with the show. You're tuned into the Vela News show. I'm Fred Dreyer, here with Spencer Paulison and mystery guest, Chris Case. Hello, Chris. Hello. Uh, this week's episode of the podcast is all about cyclocross, that dirty, mucky cycling sport where Belgians love to watch and drink beer and eat fries, and I suck at it. And before <laughs> we get started, I just need to... Come on, guys. Let's, let's hear it. Give me your bona fides. You guys are both experienced and quite successful amateur cyclocross racers yourselves. Spencer, we'll start with you. Uh, I don't like talking about myself that much, Fred. Come on. You're I, state champion. I, Why don't I single, talk about Spencer? Single speed state champion. That was... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Talk about each other, right? Okay. All right. All right. We'll talk about each other. This is the way to do it. Chris Case used to beat up on me so bad in the open cyclocross races here in Colorado. I think you won the Colorado series at least one time. You won, I bet you won, let me guess, 10 open races over the course of your illustrious career? Mm, yeah, Pro maybe. Open? Probably a little bit Probably more than that. Probably about that. Yeah, yep. whatever. Uh, <laughs> did you win states ever? I never won it in the elites. I won it last year as a master. Master, but you probably got on the podium at least a couple times. Yep. So well, and you were, I mean, you know, buried the lead there, Spencer. Chris is a masters world champion, uh, silver medalist. Silver medalist. I, thought you I won. dropped my chain a hundred meters from the line. We oh, don't have to go into that again. God. Sore subject. Yeah. Second at nationals that year too. Let's Sore revisit subject. it again and again. Uh, Chris, what can you say about Spencer as a cyclocrosser? Well, I know that we had an epic duel at the Boulder Reservoir one year. We did, was, in the snow. It was that was a good one. F maybe five degrees. Uh-huh. And uh, it was a sheet of ice out there, and the, the sun was going down, and uh, we had an, an amazing duel. And Spencer beat me, and he beat me with one leg warmer down. Oh, That's, wow. It was embarrassing. That's a Cat 3 move, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> uh, the, the listeners have officially fallen asleep. Uh, wake up, listeners! <laughs> I know, you don't want to hear about our accolades in cyclocross. Uh, my accolades in cyclocross, I think I've finished maybe half of the cyclocross races I've started. Well, judging by your bike maintenance record, that is not yeah. surprising, Fred. Um, as someone, I, I've done long-distance mountain bike races, Ironmans, um, marathons. They all pay, pale in terms of pain and difficulty to just a typical local cyclocross for, race for me because it's hard, and I have bad handling skills, and I tend to crash a lot and give up. Uh, <laughs> anyway... That's Cyclocross, and this is a podcast episode dedicated to what's going on in both international and domestic cyclocross, because it is cold, the leaves are falling, it's cross time, cross is not coming, cross is here, and we just saw, what was it, the third round of the UCI World Cup this past weekend in Coxide. The sand dunes. The sand, the sand dunes. dunes. One of the iconic locations for Extremely international iconic. cyclocross. I just love how every year it provides so many great YouTube clips of back half of the field racers just flying into the sand dunes and falling on their faces. <laughs> and then the guys and gals at the front of the race, like somehow miraculously riding through sand, it's still, it's, it's like magic to me. I hmm. see that. I don't know how that happens. What, what do you think you would look like riding through those sand dunes? Uh, oh God, it would be bad. Riding? No, I would be like, I would just <laughs> jog the entire turn into a beach. That's yeah. the good thing, Fred, is you're a pretty decent runner. Yeah. So you'd actually probably do well at that this race. Is true. You just run the whole thing. Just put it on your back. So... 
This year at Coxside, we saw race three in a row in the men's field where Matthew Vanderpoel just flexed his big muscle, punched everyone in the face, rode away from everybody, and just, and just dominated. Matthew Vanderpoel is dominating this year. He's crushing everyone. He's ruining cyclocross. Oh, for that's me. a hot type. For me as a spectator, he's ruining okay. it. I'll wake up early in the morning. I'll turn on my feed. Yeah. And then it's it's over after the first I, I feel your pain. At the same time, it's incredibly impressive. It is very To impressive. watch him do what he's doing. Not only is he winning, he's destroying the best riders in the world. And the lines he takes, the loose and fast style that he rides yeah. with, it's, it's something to watch. But a little bit boring, too. Yeah. You know, we, uh, over the last few years, have been really playing up and pumping up this rivalry that he has with Wout van Aert, current world champion. And last year, we saw some pretty good battles within this rivalry. And this year, it just seems like, I don't know what's going on. Vanderpool maybe has taken a step up. Van Aert maybe not as strong. That uh, white streak in his hair seems to be a little <laughs> bit more prominent this year. He looks like Zane from One Direction or maybe like Peter King from Monday Morning Quarterback. Wow. That went I know neither head. of that those people. Uh, Johnny Depp in that movie okay. about where he like, kills people and bakes them into bread. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the barber. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unconfirmed, but I think he's had it his entire life. Okay. You, If you look at pictures, when he was on the podium at Worlds as a junior, he's got a little bit of... You know, no. it's it's yeah, really, yes. At the very least, it's a per- consistent personal brand. So yeah, I just thought exactly. it, I thought maybe it was like yeah, like a personal brand thing. Like oh, in uh, in Flanders, guy? like this is super. This is like <laughs> this is like the cool hipster hairdo. Maybe in Flanders right now. It, that could also be street. true. I wouldn't That's... know. I wouldn't know. Um, so guys, let's get into it. You know, we're going to talk about international cross. We're going to talk about the duel between these guys. We're going to talk about women's racing and then what's going on in the domestic scene. I wanted to start off though talking about this duel because Chris. Earlier this year for our cyclocross preview, you wrote a wonderful feature story called The Beautiful Duel, talking about Van Aert versus Vanderpool and the significance of this rivalry, both for international cyclocross, but also just for these two men in this place in their careers. What are they going to end up doing? Are they going to be road racers, mountain bike racers, stay with cyclocross? We just don't know. And I thought a really interesting thing about this story that you wrote was just how long these two guys have been racing against each other. Yeah. I mean, they're baby-faced little tweens. We should, we should start by saying they're like baby men at this point. They are. They're, they're like 20, they're 22. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, and they've been racing, you know, they've been racing, if you put it in a, in a percentage, probably a quarter of their lives they've been racing against each other, something like that. Maybe probably more than that, a third of their lives, adult lives, or lives. Um, and... They're amazing talents, both of them, uh, not just in cyclocross. You've seen that over the past couple of years where Van Aert has done some things at some late season road races. Uh, no better month of the year than May 2017 to, to take a glimpse at Vanderpool's overall talents. Uh, coming onto the road, racing the Tour of Belgium, out sprinting, Philippe Gilbert. I've heard of him. Yeah. He oh, that won, guy. He, he won something once, <laughs> um, but not against Vanderpool. A uh, couple days later, Vanderpool shows up at the Mountain Bike World Cup in Albstadt, I believe it was, and really puts the pressure on probably the greatest mountain biker of all, uh, Nino Schurter, and comes in second at a World Cup in the span of four days. Not to mention, obviously, all of the things he's been able to do already in cyclocross, including winning the Worlds at 19. Van Aert, equally impressive. This is a guy, he already has, what, a couple world championships under his belt, winning lots of World Cups, and then succeeding in road cycling. Mm-hmm. He uh, won, what was it, uh, Schalsels? Schal- yep. Schalsels, yeah. Schalsels. That was in uh, last year, 2016. He came very close 2017 it was actually a really exciting finish and then throughout the just throughout the junior ranks these guys were basically like trading world championships back and forth back year. and forth really yeah, they were all there file photos of these cute little guys with buzz cuts it seemed like whichever kid had the flat top that year <laughs> was like gonna win i Ooh, wonder if connect hairdo, the dots on that hairdo one. choice had I something like to do with it I like that. um but it, but in seriousness though when you're talking about this lineup between the two guys 
and Chris, you bring this up in your story, they are very different racers, I think, in terms of their style and what suits them. And I wonder how much of that relates to Vanderpool's early dominance in terms of the conditions they faced throughout September and October so far. Right. Van Aert would be the first to admit that he prefers a heavier, muddier course. He's more powerful. Um, and Vanderpool would say the same thing about his that rival of his. Um, Vanderpool prefers fast courses. I, I, maybe I shouldn't say prefers, but he definitely excels at a fast course. No one can hold his wheel. It's no, impossible. No. Nobody can follow him. And technically, at the same time, he seems to take more risks, but also pull it off 95, 99% of the time. So these early courses, especially in the US where they were super fast and dry with some technical bits, um, but certainly not, uh, you know, Belgian style, uh, severe technical craziness. Vander- Sloggy stuff. Vanderpool's like, been just running away with it. And, and I think also Van Aert's a little better when it comes to just straight running, I would say. Just do yes, the background. Yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I do love watching Vanderpool get loose and ragged and, oh my, like the Zonhoven yeah. uh, Super Prestige. Yeah. Like, yeah last weekend, a- I believe, was it's the huge sand pit, this amazing sand descent through crowds of people. It's one of the most iconic. L- spectators spectator spots of cyclocross to me because it's just a crowd of people in this crazy descent de cool yeah de cool something like this is what they've given it good enough for me but vanderpool at some point off the front of course with plenty of lead just almost totally balls it up on that descent pulls off the most unbelievable save it, it was classic vanderpool he was his head was approximately two feet in front of his front wheel yeah, and his stem was in his crotch. That's yes. the Caleb Ewan sprinting style. Yeah, <laughs> yes. he had. So that's it was what it was doing. the arrow tuck. Yeah, it was going for the Caleb a little bit Ewan. of uh, yeah. the super tuck. He had so. a medical term called uh, stem crotch going on. We'll get to more of those medical terms, <laughs> cross terms later. So I think a dividing line between these two guys, and this comes from Chris's story, but also just everyone in Belgium knows this. So if you are a Van Vanderpool fan, you are also cheering for the sun of Adri Van, Adri Vanderpool, who was this monumental figure in Dutch cycling. He won the Tour of Flanders, a few tour stages. I mean, he was total badass 80s dude. Mm-hmm. And he had a child. His child took to cycling. Uh, can you imagine that? There were some gifts that were given to him from his father. And so he's remarkably fast. Van Aert, on the other hand, he was like, he grew up playing soccer. He was put on a mountain bike. You know, I think of this as like, this is like an election between like George Bush the fifth versus, you know, like the startup candidate who like, you know, <laughs> had this talents, pulling him stuff up from his bootstraps. Mm, I, let's I'm going, th- let's stick to cycling. I'm going Van Aert all the way. I, you know, I gotta, gotta say with his, uh, his crossover story. Uh, what what was going on with Van Aert? How did he get into cycling? He got a bike as a gift for uh, his communion, first communion, I believe. Uh-huh. And um, a friend of his asked him to go to a race. He went to a race and he came in second, I believe. Didn't get the win, but came in second, fell in love with it sort of thing, you know, and just picked it up from there. And He's in Belgium. It's not like in the U.S. when a kid loves cycling and they're 12. There's, there's, a, there's a path for him in Belgium to go from where he was to where he is now. And he's ridden it. And he's, let's not discount Wout Van Aert. He's awesome. He's still 22 or 3 and uh, already has more world championships titles than Vanderpool. So. That's true. Technically true. true. Uh, Chris, what would you say the significance is of this rivalry to cycle across right now. The fact that these two guys are coming of age, they seem to be fairly evenly matched, although this year they're not so much. But what's the importance of this rivalry right now? Yeah, I think first and foremost is the fact that the god of cyclocross, Sven Ness, retired not long ago. And to fill that void, cyclocross needed something. No offense, but Kevin Powell's isn't going to cut it. Um, Kevin Powell's is very upset at you right now. <laughs> I bet he is. So the Sweek brothers are you know, glaring Tom at you Mayosin, right now. Tom Mayosin's not going to, you know, they're, they just aren't talented enough. They're not stars. And mm. these two kids came along at the exact right time. 
and put have been putting on a show every weekend for the last two seasons. Yeah, except for the last three weeks. <laughs> not really a battle between them. It's right? not really yeah. a battle. But, but you're right. When they're both on, it's, it's an exciting rivalry. Yeah. And, you know, sports thrives on rivalries across all sports, you know? Jordan versus whoever. Mm-hmm. Uh Jordan versus everyone else. Jordan versus uh, everyone Magic else. versus Bird. That's the big Magic one. Magic versus Bird. Gretzky versus Messier. Whoever, you know, whatever the comparison you want to make. Pallison versus Case. Ooh, that was a good one. <laughs> and Sven Ness, throughout his career, had a series of rivals, whether it was Bart Velens, Niels Albert, uh, Stebar, um, I always liked Erwin Verwecken because he looked like he was a 50-year-old man, <laughs> even when he was like in his early 30s. It was like, wow, perhaps, look at that dude. He looks like he's he was. 50 and he's just crushing people. Bart Wellens obviously loved him. He would karate kick people every now and again. Um, attempt to. He didn't make to. contact. I know. That's, that's no a contact. tough one. Mm. Watch the video. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then of course, Stebar and Lars Boom, the guys who were so talented and good that they could just parachute into the world championships every now and again and just win. Um, but Which yeah. begs the question. Well, begs the question is Vanderpool or is Van Aert going to say bye bye to cyclocross? Well, and- yeah, and that's the other thing is that as we've seen in cross over the years, some of these guys who are just so talented end up having such potential on the road, the mountain bike, wherever that they end up going away. And so I don't know, Chris, I mean, from your reporting, what's the sense that you have right now for both Van Aert and Vanderpool and their commitment to cyclocross? I think it's honestly similar in that they both really love cyclocross, you know, even, even though Vanderpool is running away with it, he's emphatically said to me, I don't get bored it's not easy. What I'm doing is not easy. It's not boring. For Vander, let's take Vanderpool first. He is really good at the road. He's really good at mountain biking. He's really good at cyclocross. He has options. He's said he really wants to go to the Olympics. And for him, he thinks that the mountain bike is where he could win a medal. And so until 2020, I think he's going to probably stay in cyclocross and, and, spend a bit more time on mountain bikes in the summer with the objective of trying to medal in Tokyo. Van Aert doesn't have the mountain biking as an option, but I could see him, and in this coming uh, spring, he'll finish up his cyclocross season probably slightly earlier than he has in the past, and he's going to quickly transition onto the road, and he's going to give it a go at the spring classics and see how he does. And... We'll see. I think that he's also committed to staying in cyclocross for at least a couple more years um, before he has to make that decision. He's on a road team that allows him to race some decent size road races against good competition. So he's getting that experience while being able to be a cross star simultaneously. And it's a pro continental road team. So obviously not getting into every single major classics race but i imagine there will be a few in the spring that will be notable yep uh do we think that like patrick lefevre like has him on speed dial yet or is he <laughs> still like facebook messaging him like how is he reaching out to van Aert quick to step be, like, manager here yeah yes, to yes. be like come to quick step you have, if we, i was we, patrick lefevre i'd have him on speed dial i think he's that talented he, he who knows if he's the next tom bonin probably not but He's really talented. I mean, the the one performance that stands out to me was at being at Vegas last year when it was a when Cross Vegas was World Cup and Well Van Aert, you know, and all these guys, they're body blow after body blow, racing so fast, and he crashed and broke his foot, crashed and broke his foot, and was way off the back, and then got back on his bike and kept riding and rode through the entire field, and then dro- caught. I think it was. I forget who it was. It was Sven Thauken Hauben Blauben was off the front, and he caught that guy and Fred's dropped him. Fred's a real cross. Yeah, real, real aficionado. Fan, yeah. Richard Gronendolen Dosenhausen. Anyway, he won by a lot with a broken foot having crashed. I mean, I was like, wow, you know, wowzers. I think you were like, wow, actually. Yeah, I was like that too. It's. I don't want to delve too far into this sort of, uh, into the whole road versus cross transition thing, but... I, I think we can say looking at Stebar and also looking at Lars Bohm that it's not so easy to go from being an absolute class 
on the cross course, the best in the world to, to being at the front of the world tour peloton. Zdenek Stibar has had some days. Lars Bohm, has, he's won a tour stage. He's had some good races as well. It's not like those two are hands down favorites though when it comes to the spring classics. It's It reflects how much deeper that road peloton is. Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing though would be to look at like, uh, hey, Zdenek Stibar, let's see some, uh, some, some uh, paycheck stubs from well, yeah. uh, cross days. Yeah, obviously you're going to make more step. money with a three-year contract. Quick, let's quick see some step, tax yeah. returns. Oh, wow, you've got a little bit of a pay bump. Yeah. When, when speaking with Sven Ness about this issue and whether, you know, uh, he would have any advice for either of these riders, I, I think, you know, he, he basically said, I can only speak for myself. And given my situation, my talents, my interests in staying closer to home, having a family um, at that time, all of those things, the, the luck involved, like Spencer notes, there's definitely some luck involved in, in the classics and on the road versus in cyclocross. Um, he chose to, to specialize in cyclocross. Do you know what else Sven Ness has? He has like a temple built to him. <laughs> Outside of his home at Ball, I went there. It was, it's the the Sven Ness Cyclocross Center. It is a muse, interactive museum that sits next to this bar restaurant that sits on top of a hill that is surrounded by a mountain bike center and an awesome cyclocross course where they have the GP Sven Ness every year. It is a one stop shop for Belgian cyclocross. I mean, I was very impressed, and it was built by public money. Uh, well, actually, a mixture of public money and from uh, Golazo, the company that runs his like Grand Fondo and stuff. But um, it was this multi-million dollar cyclocross center that was very impressive. So, yeah, if you decide to stay with cyclocross, there's good things that can come from you. Guys, let's move on. We also need to talk about what's going on in the international world, world of international women's cyclocross. Because, you know, men's cyclocross can get a lot of attention, but I just feel like in women's cyclocross right now, there are a number of any number of women who can win the biggest races out there. Uh, we've had three World Cups so far. We've had three different winners, r- really winning in three different types of races too: sand, big climby hills, kind of a mountain bikey off camber course. And you know, in Coxida, we saw <laughs> someone's going to need to pronounce me with this fi- this last name: Maud. Captains. Captains. That's it. Captains. I, don't, I actually don't know, but it, it sounds, sounds right. good, doesn't it? We need to get someone on speed dial to give us our Dutch translations we, or Belgian translations. We do. Uh, Maud, uh, she rode away with it. She uh, is a younger up and comer. She was a U23 European champion. In fact, she was the U23 um, European champion after our good friend Motodot Magoo. Um, Femke. Femke. Vendendriesch. Vendendriesch was caught. So, she, you know, she was racing against, like, chicks with motors in their bikes. So Makes her faster. That's true. That's one way to get faster. Motor pacing. Mm. Uh, we've also seen Sonicant and then our good friend, Katarina Nash, win World Cups this year. So what's your take on the state of international uh, women's cyclocross this year? I, it's like last year, Fred, and I think you hit the nail on the head that there is more of a unexpected there's more unexpected action in these races you don't know exactly who's going to be the rider to watch any given weekend and that's been reflected in those results and that's what happened last year and the other thing we were talking about before we got on the air here is just how you have some interesting characters that kind of can pop in and out of the races a lot of them are mountain bike racers and they are a little bit of wild cards here and there you got like Eva Lechner mm-hmm. and, um, you know, Katarina Nash, of course, a very experienced cyclocross racer, but she's also a mountain bike racer and devoted a lot of her time this summer to endurance racing on the mountain bike. Yolanda Neff. Yolanda Neff's a great example yep. as well. And it, yeah, it, it makes for some kind of un- unpredictable racing dynamics, especially when you have these riders in the front group and the others perhaps don't quite know what to expect out of them just since they don't race with them as frequently. Um, you know, one of the uh, racers that we've had our eyes on for a while, and this year really seems to have taken a step up, is uh, American racer Katie Keogh, formerly Katie Antonow. She got married this past year. Congratulations, Katie. And Chris, you have 
you've kept tabs on Katie's career over the years. Uh, I think you did an interview with her out um, in Baltimore this past mm-hmm. weekend. I'm curious, what is Katie's perspective like this year? She's been on a World Cup podium already. She was second place at the Trek World Cup in Waterloo. She was eighth place in Coxida. Um, what do you? What sense do you get from Katie and her goals and how she's approaching this season? I think if you asked Katie what her favorite thing in the world was, she'd say cyclocross. Besides probably her husband. Mm. But, you know, cyclocross is up can, there. Can as, we confirm that, Katie? <laughs> Call in. She's been married to cross longer. Oh, that's Ooh. true. Mm. Mm, man. No, you know, she's been racing for a long time. She's one of those kids that sort of grew up uh, latching onto the bike early and, and was on the Planet Bike team eight years ago, racing around, driving around in a minivan. But... She got picked up. Tim Johnson gave her a call, you know, one year, eight years ago, and said, you need to get on this Cannondale team. And she's been on a, arguably the best, most powerful U.S. cyclocross team of the last decade for seven years now. And she's been under the tutelage of Stu Thorne there and Tim and has had great teammates, and she's just gotten progressively more serious about the sport. And I think this year she's taken it to this level where uh, every millimeter of her bike fit counts. It matters. She's working with a new mechanic, Gary Wolf, and they've been dialing in her fit, and her, her husband, Luke Keogh, is her coach, and they've been working on a new approach. And she really understands it's clicked in her that those – small things make the difference, the one to 2% difference that take her from battling for the top 10 consistently to battling for the podium consistently. And I think if you asked her, I don't know if Coke side is her type of course, but if you asked her about eight coming in eighth, I don't think she'd be happy about that. I think she'd be disappointed. She got second at both the World Cups. She dominated um, both days at Charm City. Um, She's on a tear and she's at a new level this year. So here's the big question. I wrote about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, Katie Keogh's taking this big step up. She is in her mid-20s. As we all know with women's cycling, it's a sport where you can stay at the top for quite a ways because um, just the way that, that – well, there's a million different reasons. Um, but is this the year that we see mm-hmm. Katie Keogh beat Katie Compton at the U.S. National Championships. Mm. I know. That's a big storyline I'm going to be following. It, it should be noted year. that Katie Compton was fifth at the Cox yep. Island World Cup. So yep. she's been flying under the radar a bit, but I'd say she's gotten a few decent results in Europe already, including, oh, yeah. including a win in the DVV trophy race a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. To answer your question quickly, if I was Katie Compton, I'd be worried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 13's a long time 13 years in a row is a long streak and it's got to end someday and I think Katie Keogh is closer than she's ever been maybe maybe better than Katie Compton ooh wow ooh. hot take hot take January's a long way it away is. though yeah, yeah really well is. and that's Absolutely. the other thing is- I feel like Watching cross in mid-October is sort of like watching baseball in June. You're sort of you could see some exciting stuff, but man, it, it really winds up pretty fast when you get around the Christmas holidays, New Year's, Nationals, Worlds. It's it's a different type of sport then. I've been watching some NBA games during this first week of the NBA. Oh, Same sort of thing. Don't do that to yourself. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> Nobody's any good. It's training camp, right? Yeah. They're, they're working out the kinks. <laughs> it's true. Uh, well, I feel like we have a lot of stories to follow on the international calendar. I mean, how about this past race in Coxsida? First of all, we have uh, Matthew Vanderpool wearing... Looking like he has a sleeve tattoo because he's wearing the tape. KT tape. The KT yeah. tape. I, when I saw the photos, I was like, oh, Vanderpool got a big, scary sleeve tattoo. Very progressive. That's cool. For, really for, progressive. For a guy from Lowlands. And then the other story uh, is Walt Van Aert, who was riding real sloppy and falling all over his bike, and then eventually gets a flat tire um, a couple meters ahead of the entrance to the pit and decides to flip it and ride backwards and, like... Give a put a scare into uh, Lars Vanderhaar and going the Lawrence opposite direction. Opposite yeah, direction. yeah. <laughs> it was just interesting. You don't see that too often. Giving no f's at all. <laughs> just like no f's given. I'm going in right this way. Hey, I'm wearing the World Championships champions jersey. I can do whatever. Do that whatever is. the heck. You never I know want. what to expect in cross races. That's, even even if it is Vanderpool dominating, it's worth tuning in. Yep, very true. 
man, my legs are tired. I got out and rode my bicycle this weekend. Spencer, did you ride your bicycle? Yes, I did, Fred. Well, for healthy cyclists like us, we have a special deal from one of the good friends of the Vel News podcast, Health IQ. Health IQ is the life insurance company that works specifically with cyclists, healthy people like us, who get out and ride on the weekends. The way they do this is by working with healthy people, they can give a much better rate on life insurance. And now Health IQ has a special URL for fans of the Vel News podcast. Spencer, what's that? It's real easy to remember. Okay. It's healthiq.com slash News. You can go there and get a free quote and uh, give it a shot. Healthiq.com slash News. And then go out and ride your bike afterwards and beforehands. And if you happen to be listening to the podcast while you're riding a bike, uh, we apologize for the all the errors that we may have come up with. <laughs> Okay, guys, we also have lots of great stories to be following on the domestic cyclocross scene because we have a new series to be following, which is the Show Air US Cup CX, which, you know, the model they're trying to go after really is mimicking the old US Grand Prix of cyclocross, which was the big domestic series for years and years and years. Uh, I believe it ended in 2013, and it was a great model and really was a platform for some of these guys and gals to make a living and make a name for themselves, and it went away because of sponsorship problems and because bike races don't stay around forever. Unfortunately, we really wish they did. Someone needs to come up with a way to get uh, American bike races to stay around forever. If you do, please give us a call. Uh, anyway, we had a number of years where there wasn't a national series. There were just a bunch of big cyclocross races floating around in the ether, and the best men and women had to choose which ones to go to. There was never really a series to focus on. We have one now. Um, it's the brainchild of Ryan Trebone and show air uh, owner, Scott Tedrow. I believe so, yeah. And Chris and I have already been to two different rounds. Um, well, I've been to one round, you've been to another. Yes. Spencer, you're going to the Louisville, Kentucky round. That's right. I'm going to be headed out there in a couple weeks. Um, uh, Chris, what was your impression? You went to the Charm City round, round number two, out in Baltimore. What was your overall impression of the event and the series? First of all, I think the sport, at least in the U.S., needs a series like this, um, both for fans for racers, for promoters to tie it all together, to give it a narrative, um, to give it, you know, people aren't in this country, aren't waking up to check in on the UCI website on Tuesdays when they release their new rankings of points to figure out who's doing well and what's going on. They, this series brings it all together for them in a, and I think in this first year, it's been a good mix of locations and types of racing and, uh, I'm glad to see that they deepened the prize purse. Mm -hmm. um, speaking more specifically about Charm City, I think that that race was first on, uh, you know, one of the first that Trebone called because of the history that cyclocross has in that city, that race specifically, Chris Hour and 2020 Cycling that put it on, their professionalism. Um, and, you know, Trebone was uh, said to me, he really regrets not having attended that race as a racer um, back when he was racing um, because it was such an awesome event. You know, they had the atmosphere was right. The amphitheater-like setting in the park was great in Druid Hill Park. Uh, the flyover. The giant awesome. flyover. They do that. That Chris, again, Chris Hour in 2020 cycling strive for a bit of a spectacle maybe, but just to do things right and to go above and beyond what other people do, just to bring the level of cyclocross up, not to show off, but to bring everybody up. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it was an awesome event. The racing was really good. The courses that Chris put together make people think. There were five places to dismount uh, or up to five, depending on your skill level. So you had to think, you had to figure out how to ride the course. And it ha there were amazing races, really exciting races. 
You know, I went to the opening round, which was held at the KMC CrossFest out in Thompson, Connecticut, at the big motor speedway out there. And same sort of thing. You know, it was a course that made you think it was real sandy, real twisty, turny. There was a lot of tarmac. It did have the feel to a bit of a criterium. Um, The event itself, though, you know, I was a little jealous that you got to go to that Charm City one. I think I should have assigned myself that one. (laughs) Um, The KMC race is an interesting concept. The promoters there are the guys and gals who used to put on the Providence Cyclocross Festival. And Providence, for years and years and years, was just a must-go-to race on the calendar. They had national championships there in 2005, 2006. Um, it had the, it's this great urban park, really cool bull, crazy weather. It could get cold and snowy and just p- produced just awesome battles over the years. But uh, from what I understand, uh, over the years, it became difficult to work with the city because, uh, hey, Providence, uh, hey, yeah, forget about it. Hey, no. uh, you wet my beak a little, eh? Oh, hey, <laughs> oh, you uh, need some security for that? Uh, yeah. Anyway, wow. so they had, to, uh, they had to move. And the, the concept that the promoters came up with was, hey, let's do sort of like an East Coast version of Sea Otter. We have this, um, you know, the Sea Otter Festival, which is, you know, it's held at a motor speedway. We have a ton of space. People can drive out there. And... Um, you know, I just don't know if it it's a really, bit remote out there. It's a isn't bit it? remote. It's tough to get to. It's well, it's not that tough to get to. It's the East Coast. Nothing's. I mean, nothing's right. that far sure. away. But anyway, I spent some time talking with some of the racers and the brands and everything when they were out there. And ah, crowds were a little light this year, and the course had a lot of tarmac. And it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with that event. I thought the racing was great. It was really tactical. Um, there were elements of road racing and group dynamics and pack dynamics, but. You know, just from an overall ambiance perspective, it did feel a little like the event was lacking something. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I spoke with a number of um, racers and people of the East Coast cycling, cyclocross community who love to chime in when we talk about like nationals on the Velenu show. Spencer, oh yeah. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Be careful, guys. Careful. Um, uh, no it's, <laughs> and so I don't know. I think that maybe there's another element that needs to be added to that race to really bump it up to the next level. We know that Richard Fries knows how to put on an incredible race, oh, yeah. an incredible venue. And he's committed to this, I believe. And so it'll be interesting to see how it progresses from year to year. Yeah. No. And that commitment is there and the knowledge and the passion is a hundred percent there. So I have no doubt that they're going to, they're going to get it right out there. Um, anyway, I, I really like that race because for me, someone who had covered cyclocross in depth for a number of years, but those years happened to be 10 years ago. Uh, I hadn't really been privy to the generational shift that had gone on. You know, I went out there and I was like, hey, where's like Mark Gullickson and Tim Johnson and Todd Wells? Oh, you're not there? Yeah, they're in their uh, rocking chairs at this point. Sorry, guys. (laughs) They're all like selling mortgages to people. And instead, I was greeted by this new crop of guys and gals, um, Tobin Ortenblad and Kerry Werner, Spencer Petrov. And the only person I really recognized was Jeremy Powers. And it was great to see him. You know, I still remember him from the old days 10, 12 years ago. Um, But I went around and then talked to some of these new guys and gals and was really impressed with the attitudes and the, and the different models there are of making it in cyclocross now. You know, the old days of the big factory teams, very much gone and passed. There's still the Cannondale Cyclocross World and a couple others. But, um, you know, Tobin, for example, Tobin Ortenblad, who's, who has won three of four of the U.S. Cup CX rounds now, uh, he's doing it himself. You in know? a minivan. He's in a. He, he was in a rented Subaru when I was out there. He was in a rented minivan in Charm City. Sweet. So upgrade, yeah, so upgrade, that <laughs> total upgrade. He uh, has his mechanic with him, and he's a kid who, you know, he pitches his sponsors himself. He does his taxes himself. He said his computer is full of spreadsheets, and when he's not doing intervals and stuff, he is like. You know, he's doing it all. He's running the numbers. Pinching pennies. Pinching pennies and finding a way to make it work. And he did it last year, and he's doing it this year. And this year, he's really taking a step up. I mean, he's super strong. Yeah, he's on track to win the overall series in the show area. And he's not just strong. He's smart. You know, the, the races that I saw him win, he was racing like a guy who knew he was the strongest. So on this tactical road course... He was the guy who knew that it was going to come down to a sprint and was putting in moves to sort of thin out the group, but then saving it for the end. And I don't know, I was really impressed by the savvy of this guy 
from a racing perspective and then talking to him, knowing that after each race, he was like firing up the Excel sheet and being like, wait a second, how he spent how much on gas? Oh, crap. Oh, man. Well, if he wins the series, he'll have a solid $10,000 bump to yep, his bottom line. More incentive for him to race really smart. That's true. Wow, got to get the ten grand. I mean, that's gonna be a couple rental cars and some like that'll triple his salary that's for like the a, year. That's a food. That's some food at the and uh, that's room service at the Hojo. You know, <laughs> they have nice. such things. <laughs> yeah, Hojo has room service. <laughs> okay, I think it's in a, pa- a plastic bag. Uh, anyway, he's a he's a strong man. He's really he's really impressive. Stephen Hyde, who Spencer spent a lot of time writing about, he's had some really impressive rides. Uh, Spencer, you know we have had Steven on the podcast and we've talked about him, but give us the spark notes version of Steven. Hyde. Ooh, spark notes. That's a throwback. I wonder how many of our yeah. listeners have used spark notes, cliff notes too. That's cliff notes. Do they even make those anymore? Uh, Steven Hyde, really interesting character. I got to know him over the summer while I was writing this story for the magazine. That's in the October issue. If you haven't checked it out yet, we put it online as well on velonews.com. He came from a background that's, with bikes, but not really the bikes that we're talking about right now. He was very, very into BMX riding, mostly freestyle, a little bit of racing here and there, living down in Pensacola, Florida, and just kind of uh, a different approach to get into the sport of cyclocross. He's always worked in bike shops, and that kind of led him to racing, and eventually he sort of bounced around a few shops and ended up uh, deciding he wanted to take cyclocross racing seriously. And for him, it's also really probably his best career path at this point because he he, did, he had a tough time in school. He, he dropped out of high school. He didn't go to college. He doesn't necessarily have a fallback like perhaps some of the guys and the gals in the field do. And uh, he's making the most of it, though, and is an extremely positive person, very, very fun to talk to. Anytime you see him at the race, I would wholeheartedly recommend you go say hi to him because he's just he just seems like a happy guy who just has fun with it and is couldn't be you know he's he's in a great place to be the national champion racing cross and just doing his thing i mean i was blown away by the fact that you know for the last generation we've always seen the national champion or the the sort of the the big top dog of american cross be someone who came through the junior development ranks someone who was going over for worlds when they were u23 or a junior or you know had been identified by usa cycling at some point and stephen hyde's like yeah i decided to take cyclocross seriously when i was 25 yeah mid-20s but man he has had a meteoric rise in a matter of about five years he's become the, the rider of reference. See, everyone, there's hope for you out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that Velo News podcast listeners should take note. You want to be a pro cyclist? Go for it. Can happen. Yeah. Just do your intervals, man, and maybe grow a big red mullet. Yeah, mullet and the, <laughs> Trimmed the, it. the mustache. Gone. Oh, no mullet. Mullet's gone. Wait, what? Yeah, clean himself oh, up for no. uh, Baltimore bomber. What if he's oh, like? Uh, what if he's like Samson and his power actually is derived from his? He big won in Charm City second day, so there you go. Reverse Samson. Save a little weight. <laughs> save a little weight. Uh, Spencer, a guy that you spent some time with out there, Jeremy Powers' teammate, Spencer Petrov. No, this was uh, Chris. You were out there. Yeah. yeah, Chris, you spent some time with Spencer Petrov. I did too. I thought he was pretty. He was a hilarious kid. It's amazing. 30 seconds into our conversation, um, I was like, I know why you're on Jeremy's team. Because if, you, if you've ever seen Behind the Barriers, Jeremy has a lot of energy. He's a, he's a goofy guy. He's fun-loving, he's easily distracted, he loves his music, all these things. Spencer, Spencer Petrov, same, no, he's not the same person, obviously, but he's got a lot of the same qualities. Um, sitting down with them, they have an interesting relationship. They've known each other for quite a, quite a while now. But Spencer's only 19 years old. Yeah, there's like little boy pictures of him with Jeremy. Yeah. He's like 11. Like Boulder Boulder Nationals. Super fan. snowing outside. They hung out in Tom Hopper's garage and did trainer sessions together. And they've known each other for a long time. Jeremy knows his parents really well. Saw a lot of potential. Saw that he was a really good kid. Good head on his shoulders. Um, You know, obviously very talented. And those two just click. They say that there's a, a big brother, little brother relationship. There's a boss-employee relationship. There's a mentor-mentee relationship. There's friends relationship thrown into that mix. So That's kind of like me and Spencer minus the friends part. <laughs> right, right there, boss, big brother. <laughs> Spencer's not making a good face right now. <laughs> it's a bad radio. 
<laughs> a little bad radio. Oh, um, yeah, he uh, he blew me away with being 19, but you know, riding in this front group and riding confidently. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's strong. He was a, he's a racing on the road with Team CCB Velotooler, that uh, road team that's like donation based. You can like donate your old uh, bike parts to them. They'll help fund Spencer Petrov's European road racing campaign or something like that. It's a good cause. Yeah, it's a good cause. Um, I also, uh, when I was at the KMC Festival, I sat down with Emma White, who is teammates with Katie Keogh on the Cannondale Cyclocross World team. And I, I was also really impressed by her. You know, she is currently in college at Union College. She's studying like computer engineering, some god awful <laughs> major that's not easy. I mean, usually when you're a bike racer and you're doing the college thing and the pro thing, you're like, yeah, man, like communications, know, communications with the side <laughs> of like, uh, Bike racing and psychology or whatever. No, she's taking math classes. She was, she was listening off the classes that she took. They sounded awful. It's like data systems management. I'm like, oh my God, that's harder than anything I took in college. <laughs> and yet she's, she's winning. She's phenomenally talented. She was second place at, in Road Worlds as a junior in 2015. And up to that point, really saw herself as someone who had quit cycling when she went to college. She was like, yeah, you know, I come from the cycling family. I'll quit when I go to college. And then it was like, oh, I'll quit sometime during college. And, you know, now she is just doing really well, both uh, domestically. And then she did work, did pretty well on the international circuit, too. Um, so just these dynamic young people, man, making oldies like me feeling like a real loser. Because when I was 22 years old, I was just, you know. Emma's 20. She's 20? She's 20. Oh, man. She, she's, yeah, she, you know, put in a full road season, comes into cyclocross, comes in second to Katie Keogh, both yeah. days of Charm City. She's another person that has a great personality, loves what she's doing, is having a lot of fun with it, has her brother on her team. They get to hang out. They've been doing this since they were... Three feet tall. When I was 20 years old, I had a fake ID with for a guy that had a lazy eye. <laughs> and in the photo, it was like blatantly McBublin. not... Yeah, McBublin. it was not let, we're going the right way. And that's what I was doing when I was 20 years old. Not you haven't come that races. far from since then, that's Fred. <laughs> Very incriminating. Though, really. yeah. uh, please don't look back yeah. in my records. Um, anyway, young people who are impressive, killing it on the cross circuit. I think U.S. cross... I'm gonna just gonna go. I'm gonna go on a, on, a, on a limb here with my hot take. I think it's in a good position. All right, that's nice to hear. Yeah. And we're off to Cincinnati this weekend. Yeah, and then after that is the the big finale of the U.S. Cup CX in Derby City. And so this series is paying out ten grand to the winner. Originally, it was a winner take all. It was type model. I think they have changed that. They're, yeah, they did they a crowdfunding have. thing, and also uh, Show Air Tedro yep. kicked in some more money. Yep. So there's more money for the podium now. I think it's a podium payout. Yeah, but uh, ten thousand to the win—that's pretty solid. Man, crowdfunding! This is the year of crowdfunding yeah, and bike know, racing. Hey, maybe uh, fellow news get in on the action. Yeah, that's wow. true. You want to sponsor Spencer's salary? <laughs> crowdfunding. I <laughs> wouldn't take much. Uh, well, we're gonna keep our eyes going on the domestic cross scene because hey, it's a great story. Great stories to follow. Spencer, I want to talk to you about this week's presenting sponsor, Cyclops, makers of the new Magnus and Hammer Smart Trainers. So Spencer, Cyclops, we've, we know about this company. They're a known quantity. They make trainers. They've been around a long time. I got to tell you, they're also a company that gives a lot back to the cycling community. Every year, they dedicate over $100,000 every year to support local, state, and national bike advocacy organizations. They are all about putting money back in the bike community. Uh, this past year, they gave to this, or I love the name of this organization. It's a Wisconsin-based organization. Bike Your Brat to Work Day. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Chris, as someone who has an aspiring, I wouldn't say brat, but young person, have you biked your B-rat oh, to the work. I thought you were just mispronouncing yet? brat like a like a hot dog. No, it oh, is a okay. human is your junior human being. <laughs> It'd be even better if it was bike your bratwurst to school day. Well, it's, it's like Wisconsin, you know. It's, this is true. Mm. Double meaning. They also sponsor a women's mechanic scholarship program. And every year at the uh, Saris Gala, they raise over a million dollars to support local bike advocacy groups, the Wisconsin bike. Fed. 
So this is a company that just gives back to the bike community. We're very appreciative of the work they've done. And so we want to thank, yeah, this week's sponsor, Cyclops, for being so involved in the U.S. bike community. All right, guys, we got to get out of here. Uh, but first, we're going to do some segments. It's segment time. I think the first segment, Spencer, we have a little Ask a Cat 3. That's right. And Chris, since you are designated not Cat 3 yeah. on the podcast today, why don't you read through a couple of these and we'll bestow our wisdom. These are coming from listeners, by the way. So, hey, if you got some Ask a Cat 3 questions, you tweet them at us. At Velonews, just hashtag AskACat3. Or you can email us, webletters at competitorgroup.com, if you still are into the email thing. But yeah, hit up hit us up on Twitter. No question is is too dumb. Mm-mm. Or, you know, maybe we are, but the question isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so Alex asks, local crit... Strong old guy's cheap bike has full frame pump, in quotes, visible cables on down and top tubes. Definite mechanical doping? Ooh. Oh, man. Yeah, I would get that pump checked for a motor. Or maybe that pump is some sort of like fuel cell for the internal motor. But anyway, if the guy is old and he's beating you and you're young, yeah, he's got to be cheating. That's crazy. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah no way. We no need way a little more. I think we need a little more information about the situation, but... Uh-huh. I think the snap judgment should probably be, yes, he's cheating because, yeah. you know. Oh, here's what you can do. Go Next time you see him warming up, walk over there with, like, your mom's iPad. Oh, right. And just, like, put your iPad up against his bike. Put a real scare into him. The UCI, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe get a pair of khakis and a nice polo shirt to make yourself look official. Totally. Yeah. It's a good idea. Or, like, an Amazon Kindle, maybe, if you're on a budget. <laughs> you know, get the Kindle. <laughs> All right, next question. All right. Thomas says, hey, Vela News, please ask a cat three. Is it better for my bike to look cool or work well? I don't always have time for both. Oh. That is the question of our time. Does it, should it look cool or work better? Fred, you're not the right person to answer because you're <laughs> no, kind no, of, no. on both counts, you have some problems. Very true. I would say, <laughs> though, as an aspiring work cool and work, look cool and work good bike person, I guess I would rather have my bike look cool at this point because it's not going to go very fast with me on it. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Looking cool. That's what's important. That's what the cat three life's all about. You just put putting off the vibe, showing up the coffee shop, making the scene, uh, you know, Instagram here and there. Plus if it doesn't, if it doesn't work well, then you have a built in excuse. Great excuse. And we all know how important excuses are. Very true. Very good. All right. One more question. Let's hit it. All right, David. Says, optimal fingernail strategy, clip to save grams or grow out to act as fairings? Ooh. Wow. I have not ever contemplated Ooh. that ever get, before in my entire life. We need to get life. Coach Trevor in on this, I think. Coach Trevor maybe has some ideas. Maybe we take him to the, uh, to the lab? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get well, some data. last week I was opining on the weight savings versus... Um, airflow savings of having way too many um, pins on your number when you yes, pin on your number. very right. So, uh, you know, as someone, let's be honest, I, I, I'm not saving any weight anywhere <laughs> at any point in time. So I say grow them out, man. Go for the uh, go, go for the aerodynamic advantage because if you're a guy like me, you're not saving weight anywhere. Mm, I'm going to say clip them because you're probably going to crash and you don't want to rip those things off to crash. Oh, pain. kind of like a shaving your legs type thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I like that. Are we going to start a movement now in amateur cycling where all roadies are going to be like shaved legs and clip their fin- uh, fingernails? Um, I think that they kind of already do that, but yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe they'll clip Yeah, them you're really welcome, far. scene. Okay. Uh, well, that was Ask a Cat 3. As always, like Spencer said at the top, Please tweet at, at us, ask a cat three, or you can email them to webletters at competitorgroup.com. All right, before we get out of here, guys, we got to pick a podium. Pa, 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 pa. Pick a podium. Pick a podium. Pick a podium. Since it is cyclocross time, since we were talking about cyclocross, and since we have all raced cyclocross at points and times in our lives, I thought that the podium category should reflect that. Mm-hmm. So, guys, this is the podium cyclocross injuries. What? Cross pain. 
Cross pain. What's your worst cross pain? Worst cross pain. Cross Ooh, pain. Okay. Who's leading off? Uh, Spencer, you can go first. Me? Yes. Are you sure? What is your, what's your podium for cross pain? My podium. Okay. I'm going to say third place, snowman hands. Mm. And that's just when my hands are frozen blocks of, yeah. of flesh. We're going to give the medical term first and then the explanation. They, they don't ever quite recover. I've, I've had, and this goes back to my, uh, Little, little the little story about Chris and I having the duel at the Boulder Reservoir, which I'm sure all of our listeners have heard about by now. <laughs> <laughs> number two, uh, for me, I'd say number two should be uh, tubular brain. When you're in your garage, <laughs> gluing tubulars, you get a little oh, brain damage because you forgot worst. to open the window. Yep. Oh, and the um, then you end up working at Fellow News because that's kind of oh, all you can do. <laughs> wow. A glue brain. And glue brain. then my number one, this maybe isn't as exciting as tubular brain, but I just always get it, and it's bloody knuckles. Because when you're riding around, you got those core stakes that are at the perfect level mm. for your hand mm-hmm. to just smack them, and they're like a plastic material, and I always, always get these little cuts on my knuckles every single cross race, and it's just- It a, happens, Fred. Are you like a slalom skier or something like that? You're from like, Vermont. All right, what do you think? cutting them real close on these stakes. I, I like to take a real wide berth. Yeah, I'm not surprised. To let the door open for the people who are behind <laughs> Is me. Is a line choice for you, uh, wide, 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 instead yeah, yeah, yeah. of wide inside Double wide? wide. Double, Double wide. wide. <laughs> Double wide. That's, nice. my, that's my size and chamois, too. Uh, Chris, Ugh. what's your favorite cross pain? I'm going uh, number three. Okay. Uh, I like to call it trapezius top tube trauma. Ooh. That's TTT. TTTT. TTTT. That is, as as, uh, is easily discerned, the bruising that takes place on your trapezius muscle on your from repeated shoulderings. You know, it happens. It happens. Number two would be um, this is probably not a word, but post anaerobia tummy grumbles. You know, you're going hard. Got you're going gurgles. hard repeatedly. You finish that race, and you're you're you've got deli belly, basically. Ooh, mm-hmm. I like deli belly better. <laughs> and the classic. Wait, is it deli like deli India or yeah. deli like uh, or like a, <laughs> uh, like a loose meat sandwich? Choose your own adventure. Choose your own. It's a choose your own adventure. Yeah, you could be talking about a sub sandwich or something else. Um, th- number one is my classic iron throat. I like to call it iron throat. You know. Basically, you've swallowed a, a, a bag of blood, yeah, but not for doping purposes. You oh. just, you just, it came oh. up from the. Uh, it's hard to explain from the earlier doping. From the, <laughs> I was just going with the, yes, I swallow blood uh, to aid in my. I guess it's more like hey, regurgitating blood, your Halloween's own blood. Right yeah, the corner. it's like coming up. that. It's like that flavor, that wonderful flavor in your mouth of like sucking on pennies or uh, mm-hmm. batteries. Yes. Yeah, that's a bad it's one. It's a classic. You do that often? Uh, yeah. Suck on batteries? Yeah. How do you think I prepare to get ready to talk to you guys? Ooh, okay. Uh, I don't know what that means, but good for you. Okay. Podium for Fred Dreyer's cross pain. In third place, I have pedal shin. Oh, pedal shin. The worst. That's also a mountain bike pain. This is where we're going to find out how badly you ride a bike, yeah. right? <laughs> That's true. Well, that's the thing. All my pains are related to like terrible things that can happen when you suck at cross. <laughs> so uh, n- number two, I have grass rash. Grass rash. The worst. And my number one with a bullet, cross pain, mud eyeball. Oh <laughs> God, mud eyeball. And it's like the it's like the next day. You should and you're wear glasses. Still dealing with mud eyeball. Do you wear contacts? No, I don't wear. Oh, well, you have you don't context. know the half of it, man. You get mud eyeball with a contact lens and you're ugh, it's the worst. Uh runners up, I had uh mud laundry, garage full and power wash jeans, just so you know. Nice. I, I also had bad apple. Yeah. You know what bad apple is? No. It's that bruising on the inner part of your <laughs> knee from like running on uneven ground and smacking your knees together. Uh, nobody, it's like a bad apple. Nobody said the Joey's okay injury. Yeah. Which is just when your entire body disintegrates <laughs> because you've launched yourself 20 feet in the air from a barrier and oh, just man. just landed flat on your back. Joey, How did he survive that? Joey's not okay. Uh, that that's a that's a perennial favorite. All right, that was our podiums for this week. You got to go on Twitter, Vela News Twitter and vote for who had the best podium this week. We'll have a new one next week. And uh, that's it for uh, this show. What about something called the hack? That's a cross pain. You ever get the hack? 
it's like four days later and you're still hacking. Yeah. Especially like, on a dusty racing yeah, yeah, yeah. boulder. And they're like, do you have consumption? Do you have tuberculosis? No, no, no. Silicosis, I, actually. Yeah, Sand I race in the lung. cyclocross. Well, we would love your feedback on what we talked about today. You can email us at webletters at competitorgroup.com. We'll also post links to the stories we talked about today on VeloNews.com. Subscribe to the VeloNews podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And while you're there, please leave us a comment and a rating, especially a positive rating. Become a fan of VeloNews on Facebook at facebook.com slash magazine and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash VeloNews. The VeloNews podcast is produced by VeloNews, which is owned by Pocket Outdoor Media. The thoughts and opinions expressed on the VeloNews podcast are those of the individual. And as always, we leave you with the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout playing the Bernard Purdy Classic Soul Drums. We'll be right back.